myself, my name is O, O, H to the O, V, I used to move snowflakes by the O, C, I can't see it back then, you can call me, CEO of the R, O, C, O, fresh out the frying pan into the fire, I beat up, music man's number one supplier, flying in a piece of paper, bear my name, got the hottest chick in the game, wearing my chain, that's right, O, O, not D, O, C, but similar to the letters, no one can do it better. Play it day one with Game Pass. cubic inches at idle. It's the final round of Pro Stock Eliminator at the Arizona Nationals. She has a hundredth advantage on Bo Butner at the eighth mile. She's leading Bo Butner at the finish line stripe. It's Cameron Caruso for the first time. 6.592, 210 miles an hour. Butner won 659.3 at 209. She becomes the second woman in NHRA history to win a Pro Stock Wally. Camry, you, you told me ahead of this final that you've dreamed of this moment for such a long time. How does this real-life moment compare to that dream? It's unbelievable. I'm so thankful and blessed, and all my sponsors and all my teammates, and it's just been such a great start of the season, and I'm so thankful. Thank you, guys. Good evening, race fans. Welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network, and welcome to the Drafting the Circus program brought to you by Sinister One Productions. My name is Frank Santoroski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we talk about this past weekend in racing and preview next week. Uh, joining me in the studio, I have Levi and Louise Torres. I've got Richard Uden is off on assignment uh, running those uh, GR86 cars with Toyota. And he's just let me know he's just getting absolutely rained on and he's miserable. He'd rather be here with us. <laughs> But filling in for Richard is an old friend. Um, Seth was a regular 
panelist on our show for for quite a while. Uh, Seth Eggert, welcome back. And uh, you other fellows, how are we doing tonight? Thank you for having me. Well, you're welcome. I'm just happy that my chest and lower back isn't injured. Okay, yep. Yep, that's good. Yeah, we saw you on yep. TV, Louise, but we need to save that for our women's basketball podcast. But we we <laughs> might we might we might talk about that a little bit because it's not every day that you're watching a basketball game, you see a cameraman get leveled and say, "Hey, I know that guy." <laughs> I gotta go look this one up. I missed this one. Oh, Louise! Louise put it on his Facebook page. Yeah, it's it's, it's uh, and, and, and it's Twitter. So. And, and it's Twitter. Oh, yeah. Okay, and his Twitter, yeah. So I had to change my yeah. Colner Hurd on Nashville photo. <laughs> a phone with screenshots, kind of like with Bob with the Texas brawl in 2014. The last time I checked. Yeah, well, yeah. Did you okay, at least well, let's get a uh... number from it. <laughs> I'm in the green vest when you see it. All right, I'll make the guy on the floor when you see it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh let's let's get get into our show tonight. First off, I want to thank uh, last week's guest Stingray Rob uh, for coming on the show. Um if you didn't get a chance to catch that one, you can watch the replay on YouTube podcast, you can listen to it on iHeartRadio, catch it on the Hoobazoo um website uh or uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you can give it a listen. So, and uh, you just saw a clip of uh Camry Caruso uh winning her first NHRA Wally in the pro stock uh, division. And it did, uh, we will talk about that um, in our NHR segment a little later, but I did want to let you folks know that Camry will be joining us on this show uh, in one week's time. Right. So uh, we'll have another great guest and uh, we're looking to hear uh, straight from uh, her mouth about her, uh, her first win there. So we're pretty excited about that, but uh, let's get into talking about NASCAR at the circuit of the Americas. Um, at the end of the day, and it was a late, late end of the day, as it seems to always be on these NASCAR road courses. I really believe that uh, instead of trying to set the record for most amount of green, white checkers, they should maybe, maybe, uh, maybe eliminate uh, or, or call a limit on how many overtimes you can have on a road course or single file restarts, or maybe the drivers should just not try to go five wide into turn one. I, you know, that's that would make the most sense. But uh, but but but, you know, when all the chaos was done, as soon as we finally finally got a flag to end the race, it was Tyler Reddick uh, taking the win there. So, uh, Seth or Louise, what do you guys want to take us through some of the action at Coda? Well, it started off right in uh, turn nineteen twenty uh, on the first lap with Keselowski spinning. And trying to avoid it, Busher turned Dilla, Ty Dillon into Jimmy Johnson. Uh, that ended their days pretty quickly. Uh, Jimmy didn't even get to turn a lap. And poor Ty Dillon, uh, in six races, he scored less points than Chase Elliott, who's only run two. But, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, he's learning. He's yeah. learning. Uh, Ty Dillon's been around for a little while, though. But uh, I thought it was more interesting post-race and victory lane for Tyler Reddick. Uh, one of the first people he thanked uh, for helping with the win and helping 2311 was their NASCAR driver, Keegan Leahy, who actually was hired by Denny Hamlin as a performance consultant to help them maximize their speed in the simulator to translate that on track. 
Interesting. Yeah, interesting. I, yeah. Uh, the other the other thing I thought was very compelling about about the win there was um, Kurt Busch was in the booth calling the action. He actually got pretty choked up seeing that team win. You know, that's uh, that's the car he should have been in this year. Uh, you know, we're, we're not for the uh, concussion injury. So uh, it was really nice to see um, just kind of how, how emotionally he got seeing uh, his, uh, his, his team do well and, um, and his replacement do well. No, it's most certainly the case. Of course, nobody really knows when Kurt will ever strap in behind a wheel in a race anytime soon. So, and as for Reddick to get this win, I think it just showcased why in the first place, 2311 wanted him and swoop him out of RCR. And he's all of a sudden, what we've seen so far with this current car, he's been quite a competitor on the road courses. People will talk about Chase Elliott for a few years. I think it's now safe to say we can include Tyler Reddick into the mix. I think Reddick has kind of been under the radar when it comes to road courses. In part, it was the equipment that they had at RCR. But at first, before the next-gen car. But he was always strong on the road courses in Xfinity, whether it was with Junior Motorsports, whether it was with uh, RCR, or even going back to the trucks when he was running with Brakazowski Racing. It's just, I think it's more we're actually being able to see it now more than anything else. Yeah, he's got a better platform to showcase. They, they've got a pretty decent uh, program there at 2311. You know, plus, you know, they're aided, aided nicely by, you know, Toyota Corporation as well as the Gibbs team. So that's good for them. But let, let's talk about some of these ringers we had in there, okay? Uh, so let's talk about Jordan Taylor, right? Because we have talked before how this latest gen uh, NASCAR chassis is kind of more similar in ways to an IMSA car than any of its previous um, iterations as an NASCAR chassis and uh, Jordan Taylor in qualifying, you know, his first time in the car. Uh, I mean, he was just, uh, just kind of took to it like a duck. He was just, he, was, he just went all Charlie Daniels band on you and said, uh, look, sit down in that chair right there. Let me show you how it's done. Hopped in qualified fourth in his first, um, first effort in a NASCAR race. Um, his race results were not as good, but he, he held his own. Uh, running in the top 15 most of the day, you know, got caught up in a couple of uh, little incidents there. But um, uh, Seth, Louise, Lee, you guys think we'll see any more of a uh, Jordan Taylor in uh, in NASCAR? Because I, I, for one, thought the guy was, uh, you know, for first time or pretty represent himself quite well. If we do see him, I don't expect it to be Coda. I think maybe a different road course. Uh he was fairly critical about how aggressive drivers are, but at the same time, running into the weekend, Brad Keselowski, Kyle Busch, and others were saying that the ringers had to be prepared to get run over because the regulars are not going to see them again for quite a while, if at all. So they didn't have as much of a problem running over one of the ringers compared to somebody else, although we kind of saw it differently in the race versus what they said pre-race. I think it's well, going to take a bunch of... Kind of ran everybody over a little bit. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to take special circumstances for to see Jordan in that car or any car again because this was... Obviously, we know the opportunity arose in large part of Chase Elliott being sidelined, so the question is where would he go next? should another opportunity arise. 
Right. Yeah. Because I just kind of wondered to myself, Jordan Taylor, he's a guy. Here's a guy who's had a, a couple of tests in um, Roger Penske's IndyCar. Um, you know, because Imps has got a relatively short season compared to some of these other things. And here's a guy, you know, just with a lot of talent. I, I'd love to see him just kind of stretch out and, and do more, you know. So, well, know he's done some WEC and endurance racing and, and here and there. But, uh, you know, I'd love to see what he can do in, uh, in Penske's IndyCar. Because if we look at a guy like Scott McLaughlin, right, who's coming out of a discipline that's uh, not really, you know, known as a step to IndyCar, the guy took to it quite well. And at least if he were to return to NASCAR, the only opportunity that would really stand out would be the Project 91 car because it's four champions of different disciplines, as uh, Justin Marks has said in the past. Yes, Kimi Reckoning was in it this weekend. Uh, he's already said that Kimi won't be in it the next time Project 91 runs that the deal was already signed and that someone who... He's run some stuff that's very different to NASCAR, but that the driver is probably the best fit for NASCAR. But he didn't didn't send he, didn't give he, us a name, huh? He didn't give us a name, so we can only speculate. Correct. Yep. Yep. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. who do you uh, think that is, Louise? I'm putting my chips on Shane Van Giersberg in and the top of the pylon. Okay. If I had to get someone, it would either be SVG, like uh, 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 Louise said. The other one, and it, again, this is kind of unorthodox, but maybe a Scott McLaughlin, since they Penske runs Chevy's in IndyCar, the only place to keep the manufacturer happy in NASCAR would be a Project 91 kind of team. Yeah, yeah, so, but... Uh... Uh, we'll just have to see what, uh, but it sounds like they're teasing us a little bit, you know, as uh, much as uh, people like to do with these big announcements. A lot of times you say there's going to be a big announcement and it turns out to be nothing more than a little, you know, additional sponsor added to somebody or, or someone. So, but, um, but this is actually a driver announcement. It's really intriguing to kind of speculate and wonder who that might be. So Lee, your thoughts on the um, race out there at Coda? I, I, I enjoyed it. I always like road course races. Um, I like when they go left and right. Uh, I I think NASCAR has, and this is just the generality of the road courses, especially Coda. We talked about the first, like, not even lap incident. And how many laps did we spend under caution? I think it was five. I mean, that's a huge racetrack. I, I think NASCAR's got to get a better grip on the yellows on those big tracks. I just, I mean, five laps is just, I mean, we, they lost well, a lot of, they lot, I, I think they lost a lot of fans. Um, I know I was like, all right, I'm going to go cook dinner while I'm waiting, you know? Um, well, to, to speak to the length of some of the cautions, the other issue is some of the drivers continuing or insisting they continue to drive when they're leaking oil or when they're leaking some sort of fluid. And I'm saying that generally speaking, because there were like three or four drivers that did that. Ryan Priest comes to mind. Uh, Bubba Wallace had the oil leak that caused his issue with with uh, Kyle Larson and Eric Jones. So you had a number of drivers that if they had pulled off uh, right by where one of the uh, rescue zones is for F1, it wouldn't have been the five, 10 lap cleanup that 
some of the cautions were. It would have maybe been two laps. And again, some of that is on the drivers and teams, just whether they're ignoring NASCAR or not getting the message from NASCAR. And I, I, I agree. I think, but I think NASCAR needs to, needs to tighten the belt a little bit on that stuff. Hey, if you, you know, F1, uh, you know, we see it all the time. I mean, they, they do it right. And NASCAR is trying to take some pages from the F1 book. That's why they're racing it tracks like Coda and stuff like that. You know, they bring in, they bring in Gunter as a commentator. Uh, you know, if they're going to treat it, try to get to that F1 standard, they need to, you know, if you, if a driver wrecks, you know, you got to pull off into that safe zone and limit the amount of, you know, because five lap caution on that big track. That's, that was like 20 minutes. It seemed like it seemed forever. And I was just like, yeah, I'll be back. I got, I'll go cook dinner. And by the time it's, I got back from cooking dinner, they were just getting done. It's fortunate that it's not a road America, which is a four mile road course. Imagine five laps under yellow on a four mile road course. But true. Yep. While that's true, the question would now be the integrity of the drivers pulling off because how would it get back if they feel like their car is fixable? That'd be the big other question because it may vary on road some road courses. Because yeah, some, all I of mean, them are unique, you know. Yep, and, and they all are unique. I mean, I'm just, just using Coda as an example because it is a, it's an F1 track, you know, and NASCAR, you know, has tried to take a lot of the playbook things that F1 does and incorporate it into NASCAR. Not that I'm against that. I think that's a great thing. But, uh, you know, I just thought, you know, the, the except, it, you know, NASCAR needs to come up and say, you know, like I'll pick Bubba Wallace. Like he was dropping oil. They should have said, you know, pit, you know, and. Well, he I did go straight got, to pit road, but. Right. And they've got the and they've got the five minute rule. You know, once you get to the fixed zone, you've got what is it, five or seven uh, minutes. Seven. To to, yep. Se- seven in it. cup. Yep. So, you know, I think there's room for improvement if we're going to if NASCAR is going to continue to to hit those those big tracks and to try to do that stuff. Again, I just think they could tighten up their belts a little bit. Um, it, it's I don't want to say it's a complaint. I think it's just an idea. Um, you know, other than that, I thought it was an entertaining race. Tyler Riddick, he did he did good. My man Kimmy, you know, I was hoping for a lot better from him this weekend. But I mean, it's a NASCAR. He's coming from a, a you know an F one platform into NASCAR. It's two totally different beasts. Um, I'm I'm happy with I'm happy with the weekend. I thought it was really entertaining. I like seeing like I said like those road courses. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, to, to the point, you know, we um, you know, when I was growing up, there was. You'd rarely see full course cautions on a road course anywhere. They use local yeah. yellows or, you know, I mean, Formula Formula One didn't have, you know, safety cars until the last decade, right? They just use, use your local local flags there. IndyCar almost never used a full course, you know, unless the uh, track was blocked. But, you know, everyone is, you know, really quite safety cautious this year. And, I, and I'm not against um, the full course caution uh, when deemed necessary, but I just feel like, we're really quick to throw out the full course caution, not just in NASCAR, but to, you know, also in IndyCar. And then even in the Formula One race, we had a safety car. And Richard said it was really unnecessary. It could have been a virtual safety car. Yeah, so, and I know it's always, yeah, it's always good to err on the side of safety. But I think to a certain point when we're damaging the product, I mean, yeah, and then again with the incessant green white checkers, you know what I mean? If you, uh, yeah. yeah, if you if you set your DVR to tape uh you know a nascar road course race make sure you add an extra hour 
to that. At least. <laughs> you know what I mean? At, At least. least. Because they, Unless they, it's Sonoma, then you'll probably be fine. <laughs> Unless yeah. it's Sonoma, yeah. <laughs> Sonoma, for, yeah. For, um, but anyway, so we did have the um, Xfinity was in action out there at Coda, and the trucks the trucks raced there as well? Yes, no? yes. Yes. Yeah, so uh, yeah uh, uh, Zane Smith uh, burning it down literally in victory lane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I did see that. Yep. Let me let me go ahead and and smoke the tires and the whole truck burst into flames. Yeah, I'm like, well, you don't see that every day. But that's guy, that guy's gonna be on the news tonight. So it was a tough day for Ed Jones, who made his truck series debut as well. But and broke a track bar almost immediately. Yep. It's not this isn't like the second time in his last two weeks of something broke very quickly on a driver. I know we talked about it at Atlanta that who, who was that driver, Frank? Uh, Seth? Caesar Baccarella. Thank you. Baccarella. Yeah. He broke an axle after completing lap one or something like that. Now, yeah. would you, would you say that was kind of poor preparation of the car um, or, or something that that's a, a driver mistake where they actually, uh, you know, did something to, to cause that type of uh, to break apart like that. It's well, just, it sounds to me like it's just well, poor I, preparation or, or maybe we're just so underfunded. We're using old parts. Well, at Atlanta, maybe poor preparation and um, granted, I'm not speaking for the team, but they didn't have any practice and it, for the experience series, they didn't have any qualifying because it got rained out for Coda. The truck series had a 20 minute practice and had qualifying. So if it was poor preparation, it took a while to show up. So to me, that's right. right, Yeah. To me, that's either a driver mistake or maybe he got hit the right way, you know, just in the right spot to break the part. Okay. So then in Xfinity, it was, uh, AJ Allmendinger, who wins every Xfinity road course race, just about. Um, but but it wasn't uh, wasn't you know he had a really interesting day where he was up front, and then he was all the way to the back, and then he was all the way to the front again. Um, quite an effort on his part, but I mean, obviously, we know the guy's a heck of a road course racer. I mean, that's he's always had that reputation, and he's always and he's earned that. But uh, really interesting day for him. Yeah, for sure, and, and I'm and I'm positive that my editor in chief will have to be prepared for his karaoke session after the race. That he, in case you don't, in case for nobody understands it, one of my editor in chiefs of the outlets that I write for apparently got called, got name called by Almondinger and the presser about singing karaoke and all that stuff. So, if and whenever that happens, I'd be curious to see. And mind you, you'll never hear me sing karaoke under except for two. Artists, and I will not say that right now. Okay, yes, I uh, <laughs> I actually enjoy karaoke quite a bit, but my my vocal range uh, tends to be either like Tom Petty or Bob Dylan, or uh, occasionally REM. If I'm, uh, <laughs> if I'm no, you do not want to hear me. Yeah, I didn't me. say I, I didn't say I, I was any. I didn't say I was any good. But you're not gonna you're not gonna hear me out there belting you know fancy. Here's your chance. Don't let me down. Um. <laughs> no, that's the same way I am. It's yeah, like yeah. under. And if you could figure out the two artists, then you read my mind. But okay, I'm... so Pitbull, 
Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no. Weird Al Yankovic and and Ricky see. Martin. Nope, yes, that's it. not Ricky <laughs> Martin. We'll save that in the post podcast episode. Okay. Uh, All right. Yeah, we, yeah, we need to we'll save that for our karaoke episode. So, uh, but uh, so anyway, so we are. Are we running in uh, Richmond this week? Racing on Easter weekend yep. again. Uh, well, yep. well, Richmond is Cup and Xfinity trucks are with IndyCar in Texas. Right, right. Mm-hmm. IndyCar is going to be in Texas. We'll get into our IndyCar preview a little bit, so um, a little bit later in the show. So, uh, who do you guys like for uh, Richmond? Who do you who do you like for the Easter Bunny to uh, bring a nice basket to? Well, isn't Easter weekend? Next week with during Bristol Dirt, uh, the the ninth, right? Yeah, yeah, it's the eighth. Yeah. I think oh, it is. Right. This week is. Just, yeah. I just, I'm sorry. Richmond was on Easter last week, right? No, uh, last year it was also last year. Bristol last Dirt. year, yeah. Okay, I. You see, I yeah. don't follow Easter that well. I don't follow go... Easter as well as as well yeah. as I follow racing. Yeah, so. you have to go back two years for Richmond to be on Easter weekend. Yes, I just remember there being a big flap about it because uh, people were appalled that we're going to race on Easter. Yeah, because the uh, Bristol Dirt Race is Easter Sunday. All right, so who yeah. do we like for Richmond? And we can talk about the Bristol Dirt next week. Seth, you can go first since you're... Uh... Uh, honestly, I've, I've kind of been thinking this you know, for uh, the in-house fancy game that Kicking Tires does. So... For Cup, I've actually been thinking about Alex Bowman. Okay. All right. Alex Bowman. All right. And Lee, who do you like for? Uh... Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb this weekend. I think Corey LaJoy is is going to have a good weekend this weekend. Okay. That, he's that, just, he's... that is indeed going out on a limb. <laughs> But I, uh, I think yeah, so. I mean, I like it. I, I like I like Corey LaJoy. Yeah, I like his dad. He's, so. he's yeah. I mean, he's 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 been racing really good this year. He's 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 got a lot of the momentum running behind him. And I think, you know, I, I, I don't know. I just have I, my guts are terrible. I mean, I picked Kimmy last weekend. God sakes. Yes, you did. Yeah. Let, I got, so that got me about... in what, 27th. So, I mean, I'm if it, if if Kevin Magnuson was running. If Kevin Anderson yeah. was running, you guarantee we know who's going to pick Magnuson. Oh, yeah. Oh, yep. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So um, yep. anyway, so Corey LaJoy, it always reminds me of this uh, story. This is I was living in Roanoke, Virginia, right? And there was uh, um, we had our local news guy was a, a former football player, right? The local sports guy in the local news. He was a former football player, so he knew he knew you know a lot about football, a lot about you know basketball, but he really didn't know much about racing, right? So, uh, and then so of course the, um, the cup series, you know, the, the, uh, the NASCAR was in Martinsville and, um, Randy LaJoy had won the, the truck race. And so this guy just, I'll never forget. It always sticks to my head. He's, he's just reading this because he has no idea what he's talking about. He goes, <coughs> and the winner of the, the race in Martinsville was Randy Lajoui. So every time, every time I see, you know, Randy LaJoy or Corey LaJoy in print, I think about that Randy LaJoy. So with that being said, Louise, who do you like for Richmond besides Corey LaJoy? <laughs> if I could flip a coin, it's either going to, my picks are either going to be William Byron or Martin Truex Jr. You can always expect Truex to run good, 
But that's mostly during the fall. I'd like to see him finally progress and get it done in the spring race. Of course, Byron was at the mix at the end of last year. Even without Rudy Fugel, he's done quite well. I mean, if I want, he was yeah. he was in the mix of Coda with Tyler Reddick before the overtime madness began. Yeah, and we haven't really heard a lot out of um, of uh, Joe Gibbs racing this year. They've been kind of quiet while everybody else was uh, winning up the races. But uh, that being said, I'm not going to pick a Gibbs driver, um, even though hey, lots of people like to pick uh, Denny Hamlin for Virginia races. But I don't see I, I don't see Denny doing it this weekend. I do, however, see Kyle Busch winning another race this year right there in Richmond. So uh, I think that uh, that is just a really nice match with um, Kyle Busch and Richard Childress. And I think that's going to pay a lot of dividends this year. And, and I think come, uh, uh, you know, the, come the end of the year, he's going to be right in the championship hunt. So so that's where we're at with Richmond. So that being said, let's talk about NHRA. And again, we uh, saw the clip at the top of the show where um, – Pro stock driver Camry Caruso took her first win, won her first Wally statuette. Uh, so good for her. Uh, but Lee, there was a little controversy. Um, something with the lights. Um, I really, I, I read, I read through the thing, and I don't watch it enough to understand exactly uh, what went wrong. But I know where that there were some apologies, uh, but there were also yep. some congratulations. So um, in the NHRA, there's. When you come up to the Christmas tree, there's a pre-stage, which activates your first set of lights. The top, so at the top of the tree, there's two blue lights. There's a top blue light and then a bottom blue light. So when you roll in, you pre-stage, and that's your top blue light. And typically, the unwritten rule is whoever stages first trips that top light. You wait for your competitor to trip the other light. And then it's whichever of the two drivers trips the bottom light, or that's your staging light. Once you trip that, God, I I I lost you. I didn't hear you there. I said, and you trip the light by moving your car forward. Yeah. So there's a okay, laser right. that runs across the, the across the lanes, and the tires uh, will actually trip that light, and that's what okay, activates all right. the blue light. So because yeah, when I was reading the article, it said like she activated the light. I wasn't exactly sure. I didn't know if they had a button in the car or if it was moving the car, but now now yep. I say I don't I don't watch it enough, but I've been watching her this year. Um just uh just for you buddy since you introduced <laughs> well, me to it. So and so what happened was Camry she uh, she staged both lights. She came in, she hit the pre-stage and then she rolled forward and clicked the stage light. She didn't wait for her competitor to come in and pre-stage. So she went from pre-stage to stage. And when that stage light activates, the your competitor driver has seven seconds by NHRA rules to go from pre-stage to stage. So she basically jumped the opportunity. She did she pre-staged first and then her competitor would pre-stage second. She went pre-stage stage. So that really didn't give her competitor a full – it gave them seven seconds to get from pre-stage to stage. And that's – there's nothing in the rule book that says you can't do that. In the old days, that was a trick that drivers used to psych out their competitor. They're going to drop They're going to drop in. They're going to pre-stage, stage. It puts your competitor kind of at a disadvantage because they have only seven seconds to now do that process. 
Um, so it was kind of frowned upon amongst some other drivers. Um, it there's really it's an unwritten rule that you don't do that, but I think in the mix of it, it wasn't intentional. I mean, she came out and said it wasn't intentional. She just jumped that light. And that distance that we're talking about between the stage and pre-stage is not very much at all. I think it's about three and a half inches. So it's not a big distance. Um, the other controversy was that the competitor was, he was the number one qualifier and he was the first, um, he was the first driver uh, to qualify from, from Mexico. So that was a pretty big deal. Um, so it was controversy. You know, I think it, it was just an honest mistake. I think she just kind of she let up to brake pedal and in stage before, you know, she wanted to. I don't. I don't think it was malicious. You know, like I said, back in the day, they used to do it all the time. Just to yeah, it mess sounds with like the it's, it's more of a just etiquette than a rule. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's, yeah. It's yeah. So just like it's... in baseball, tons of tons of etiquette rules that aren't in the books, but you know, pitchers and catchers and stuff like that. So but, it's but just e an etiquette yeah, thing. But either way, big day for her uh, yeah. to, to get her first uh, trophy in pro stock. And um, so let's talk about uh, who some of the other big winners were uh, at the Arizona Nationals. So top fuel, uh, Justin Ashley, he came out on top over Sean Langdon, which was a really good matchup because they both qualified in the middle of the pack. They were uh, qualified eight and seven. Uh, so it was nice to see some middle of the pack drivers get up there and fight uh, for the championship. It was a really good race. Um, you know, a couple thousand, couple tenths of a second between them, uh, which is really good at Arizona. Arizona typically um, sees a lot of good races because they got a lot of good air. The track temperature is usually pretty good this time of year. Um, so that was good. Funny car, uh, John Force Racing with Robert Height. And his old nemesis, Ron Caps, they went at it head to head. Uh, Ron, uh, Robert actually picked up the win, uh, which was good to see. Um, it's always nice to see those two guys go at it. They've had a long time rivalry. Uh, Ron Caps has always been a thorn in the side of John Force Racing. So, uh, you know, it's kind of like that Green Bay Packers, Chicago Bears rivalry, you know, uh, Rusty Wallace and, and Dale Sr. kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember so that, that time period when it was the Brute Car and the Castrol. Yeah, yep. It was, it, they just, they go back and forth constantly. Um, so, I mean, it was it was a good race. Um, you know, Alexis DeJoria, I thought she was really going to do good. Uh, she showed, she got all the way to the semis and lost her on caps by, by five thousandths of a second which is, I mean, it's super quick. That's very, it was very fast. And, um, you know, Alexis is a good driver. Um, I was kind of rooting for her in Funny Car this weekend. Um, but, you know, I did, I think Robert Hyten and Ron Caps really pulled, pulled off a good race. Uh, Pro Stock, obviously, uh, you know, Camry Caruso, she did great. Bo Butler, the third, he's another good driver. That race came down to a thousandth of a second. That's just a blink of an eye. I think they measured it out. It was like six inches between winning and losing. And that's, I mean, at 209 miles an hour, that's just, it's so fast. Um, it's literally like a blink of an eye. So um, I thought it was good. They also, this weekend, one of the cooler things they did this weekend was they had uh, the Mission Too Fast, Too Tasty Challenge. 
which took the semifinal drivers from the top three classes and kind of had like a grudge match. Um, and again, Alexis DeJoria came out on top for her, uh, for funny car, Doug Coletta won in top fuel and Troy Coughlin. He upheld his run from the Gator nationals, uh, last weekend or two weekends ago in Florida. And he, he edged out, uh, Greg Anderson. So, um, all in all, I think it was a good weekend. I'm looking forward to, uh, Pomona this weekend. So we're back to back. Uh, Pomona is, uh, kind of like our Daytona a little bit. It's the track where kind of NHRA really started. Um, so it should be a good weekend. And I'm looking forward to, you know, like I said, talking to Camry next weekend, getting her take on Arizona and, uh, and her run in Pomona. So trying to rhyme everything arizona pomona daytona yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i tried to throw a vegas in there but it just didn't work out didn't got, work I mean, didn't work out so so when you talk about mission um that is the tortilla chip company that is the tortilla yes chip they company. are yep. they are heavily involved in racing i went to uh in indianapolis right right uh last year i went to uh an event um with um Paddle Award because they sponsor him. Uh, that was put yep. together put together by Mission, and uh, they just did a really good job with it. They're doing a really good job with uh, with activation in motorsports, and uh, you know they even sell you a bag of chips that uh, the chips are cut out like race cars and motorcycles. So it's uh, it's pretty good. I, I like any company that really immerses and involves themselves, other than just say paint my name on the car. You know, uh, yeah, yep. they do a lot, mm-hmm. a lot of activation and stuff. So that's just pretty neat. Uh, that they're doing that, you know, particularly when you look at the fact that the NHRA has lost Mellow Yellow. I know we've had Camping World step up, but it's nice to see Mission step up as well and and sponsor some uh, additional events over the weekend. So that's yeah, pretty yep. cool. That's just, that's just good stuff. Not just that. Been- and, uh, Cody Swanson out of the Sprint Car World has got Mission as a sponsor as well. So they have expanded quite well outside of, obviously, Pato. Right, yeah. They're, they're yep. kind of everywhere, yeah. Yeah, and they've... uh They've they're they're in motorcycle. They they uh, is that uh, is that uh, is that is that a drag motorcycle or I'm trying to think who they sponsor on a motorcycle because I looked it up at one point. I didn't know if it was a yeah NHRA or if it was uh, some uh, motorcycle series. Can't remember. Yeah, I can't think of it off the top of my head. Um, but so two two other things I want to touch on real quick in NHRA. Um, we talked about it two weekend. Uh, Two podcasts ago, uh, if Keith wants to run that footage uh, of Antron Brown, is a pretty cool little. little you're familiar with the Junior Drag Racing League, right? Absolutely. Your drags. Don't you think there ought to be a Junior Funny Car, a Junior Roadster? Been saying it for years. Well, so did the folks at Toyota. The Gazoo Racing people put it together. It's a GR Supra, almost exactly like the one you see the Toyota drivers running in Funny Car, but this is one for families who have kids that are interested. You know who's driving that one? Who? Yes. Alexis DeJoria. Antron Brown. Get out! Antron. No kidding. The Gazoo Toyota, it's on display over there at the Toyota display in the Midway. 765. Well, you've just been disqualified. You're not allowed to go that fast in our junior. And just for those of you that don't know, Antron's got plenty of junior dragster experience. Because he's got kids. Yeah, so that was Antron Brown running the uh, Toyota Supra Junior Funny Car. Um, I think it was at Texas, just as a, a publicity thing, because Antron Brown is really, he's gotten, you know, the junior classes 
typically are, are dragsters. Uh, there's really no like junior funny car program until Toyota came out with this half scale uh, model for these funny cars. Um, and it, I mean, it was fast. He red lighted. Um, didn't know if you noticed that in the, in the video clip, but he red lighted. So, but it was just a promotional thing. That car was super fast. He ran, I think it was seven, nine something, which was about 95 miles an hour. Um, that is a little too fast for those cars. There's a certain, uh, time bracket that you got to fall into with those junior cars. Cause they don't want the youngsters, the, the teens going so fast. Um, so, but it was really cool to see that car in action. A lot of fun. Antron Brown's got a ton of experience in those things in the junior dragsters. Um, but it was cool to see. I really liked it. Um, and I, I, from, like I said, a couple weeks ago, I think they're, uh, they're selling like hotcakes. They can't keep their, the back order and already for them. Um, and then the final thing about NHRA, the Arizona Nationals, uh, this year was the last time they're going to race at that track. They're, uh, it's actually a speedboat uh, course out there in uh, Chandler, Arizona um, that they they run at. And they're actually going to take the the drag the dragway away. Um, I don't know if NHRA is going to move it somewhere else. Uh, there's been talk about it, but that's going to be the last Arizona Nationals, I think, uh, maybe for at least a year. So. So they found another side, huh? Is yeah, still... I think they might do it. I think they might do it at PIR. That's the that's the the talk of the town. Um, but yeah, that, that would that, make sense. Yeah. 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 Kind of like what they do at Charlotte and Vegas. They're you know they coexist on the same on the same footprint. So um, yeah. But yep. So that was the last one of those at that track this year. So. All right. So. That being said, so we've got, uh, you said we're coming up Pomona next weekend. So that'll be yep. broadcast on uh, Fox, I imagine, right? Probably the, the yep. early, early rounds on Fox, one Fox and- 1, and then it'll switch to regular Fox, uh, as, yep. it, as it generally does. So uh, I will uh, make sure I watch a little bit of that or watch all that, um, depending on what else is going on. But uh, we do have an IndyCar race this week after several weeks off, and we've got a good-sized field. We're going to have 28 cars starting in Texas. So we'll have our, our, our regular guys plus Ed Carpenter and it'll be Takuma Sato uh, in the 10 car for Chip Ganassi as um, Marcus Armstrong is sitting out the, um, the oval races, but there's a little news regarding that, that um, Takuma's deal with Ganassi only covers Texas and Indianapolis. And, um, unless there's a little more sponsor money that comes around for Takuma, we may actually see uh, Marcus Armstrong at Iowa and at gateway. Um, nothing is decided or announced yet, but that's kind of what, uh, what chip was saying. He said, uh, you, you know, you might see this kid um, more than you thought this year, but uh, anyway, which could help his thoughts for rookie of the year. Exactly. Exactly where I was going with that. Yeah. This, uh, you know, if he, um, only misses two races rather than four. Um, he's got he's got a better shot at that rookie of the year uh, thing there. Um, you know, give a Stingray a run for his money and uh, yeah. you know Canapino. So, um, but again, like we said, we're going to Texas, very fast track. Um, and you know, the practice is so limited anymore, right? You, you talk about they had a, a test out there for the rookies. You recall Stingway, Stingray was talking to us about that last week, fastest he's ever driven in his life. Um, which is certainly you've got, got to get that, got to get that under your belt before you get to Indianapolis. Right. So 220 miles, these guys are going to be zipping around there. Um, 
And always the recurring issue with Texas is the uh, the track bike, the PJ1 that NASCAR mm-hmm. lays down. And it just is it's highly incompatible with the Firestone rubber. And when they lay the uh, that PJ1 on there, it 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 really it uh, it makes it slick for the Indy cars, whereas, you know, the. The, the NASCAR is supposed to help make them stick, but it has pretty much the opposite effect. So it almost, you know, takes away that whole top lane, right? And um, you know, even if they didn't apply that this year, that stuff kind of stays on there forever. So last year they did an additional uh, session uh, with, um, it's like, I think, 10. Six, six drivers, six or yeah, six nine or ten, drivers. Six or ten guys that just just run in that top side, just try to lay some Firestone rubber down on the track to see if they can get a second groove going. But it really, it, it, it paid a little dividends, but not, uh, you know, the racing we've seen in Texas the last couple of years is nothing close to the races we saw at Texas uh, prior to the laying down of this compound. So they, and a lot of people will tell you, they'll just straight out and tell you they uh, NASCAR has ruined this track for IndyCar. Uh, but yet we continue to go back. To uh, so uh, Seth, I'm Seth has a here. thought on there. Well, All right. Yeah. It, it wasn't NASCAR that put the PJ one down. That was the SMI. And, and who owns SMI? Uh, the Bruton Smith family. Okay. That's uh, Marcus think- Smith. Now. But uh, they were the ones who put the PJ1 down at Texas, Kentucky, Bristol, Charlotte, and Pocono. Okay, but as an IndyCar fan, right, blaming NASCAR is more fun. It's not accurate. <laughs> I mean, and here's the and here's the and here's the thing. Woo! Unlike and here's the thing. Unlike last year, there will be the truck series out there because last year in IndyCar it was just only IndyCar, just a one right, series right, show, yeah, so. which and, probably and NASCAR or well, I should say uh, SMI and NASCAR because now they work together on this. Originally, it was just SMI doing it on their own, uh, but they have not put pj1 or now resin as they use down on many tracks of any in recent years i think the last time they used it was new hampshire in 2020 or 2021 so they really have not been using it recently yeah but but seeming like no no amount of scrubbing or or you know or tire genies or anything uh is is removing that stuff so we'll, well see we'll see what kind of race we get at texas uh you know hopefully like i said it was a little better last year than it was the year before but it's still it's still nothing like we used to see especially during like well, the um the mid 2000s um irl area era well we saw uh, some great races at texas well another thing that you're leaving out is texas was reconfigured before the traction compound was put down Texas yes, was reconfigured yes. and even the NASCAR races have not been the same as what they used to be before the reconfiguration yeah it's, Texas is just a mess all around so yeah and there's this, this thing going around supposedly this is going to be the last year under this current configuration and all that jazz I haven't heard Dilly squat about it I don't know, but they, I mean, they've reconfigured Texas a couple times. If you recall, when they first opened that track, and I want to say it was 95, 95 or 97. I want to say 96, 96. 96, yeah. I was going to say the first IRL race was in 96. But they had two different bankings on the track. 
you know, one set up for NASCAR, one set up for IndyCars. And the first NASCAR race there produced um, just wrecks left and right because of the uneven two different two different uh, degrees of banking in in the turn right if you if you hit that thing wrong you were you turned around so that that lasted a year till they reconfigured it then right then that that configuration was good for a number of years until this more recent reconfiguration which uh you know we you know we saw the same kind of things where they they reconfigured kentucky uh, entirely, you know, making certain parts of the track wider, other parts narrower, changing the banking and making turns one and two different than three and four. Um, and uh, some of these reconfigurations work out. Some of them just don't. I mean, I, I want to say that even at Kentucky, the racing was better before the configuration than after. You know, I, I just never forget that I watched that one race and it was just like, you know, the Martin Truex show, you know the whole the whole race so but uh, i'm pretty sure frank you and i were at that one we were at that one yes 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 we were Mm -hmm. and texas it by it even when you're talking about texas every time i look at the 2001 race it looks like the track doesn't look like it was even five years old with the surface it looked like it was 30 especially in turn three how completely uh, destroyed it was. I mean, uh, people talk about Atlanta's super speedway surface looking like it's going to wear down already. Texas looked pretty brutal back then. Yeah, well, the Texas winters are hot, so that's not always the best stuff for asphalt, you know. So, but yeah, we'll just see. We'll see what kind of race we get at Texas. But you know, as I look at this thing, I, I got to see who I like. The IndyCar season is young. You know, we've, we've only got one race to really gauge it on. That was Marcus Erickson. Uh, we know Erickson knows his way around an oval um indy 500 you know his his face is on the board warner uh we also know scott dixon knows his way around texas really well guys won there a number of times um but i i you know i like the idea of sato in a ganassi car um just just to see how he does saddles has some good runs in texas um i really think you're gonna have to watch out for takuma at uh, indy but I, I don't know if the fact that he's not running the full season um, is going to cause him to be a little rusty. But I think that's a guy. I think all the Ganassi cards are going to have to watch out for. Um, and, of course, Pato Award, who's uh, won the most recent race in Texas. Um, or was it two races back? He, he won it was his, 21. He won his, yeah, he won his first, his first ever race in Texas. And actually, Pato helped out the ticket sales by he bought a whole grandstand. And then he uh, did these merchandise sales. If you would buy a, a shirt and a hat, you'd get a ticket for the race. And he sold out his whole grandstand. Also, he had another deal that was like a couple of hundred bucks. Uh, you buy some merchandise, then you get uh, get to hang out in the suite and meet Potter before and after the race. So, uh, you know, being that, uh, you know, he's from Mexico, Texas is the closest we, we run to Mexico. Uh, you know, he's got a, got a lot of fans coming out there rooting for him. So, yeah, you know, I don't want to look much past Pato either uh, on this course. So but neither Felix Rosequist or Alexander yeah. Rossi, because Rosequist won the poll a year ago. Who knows how Rossi and a McLaren on an oval he'll fare. Right, right. And again, you know, you can never look too far past the Penske guys. You know, uh, was it last year? It was uh, McLaughlin and um, Newgarden. Newgarden. Newgarden were Newgarden ended up winning, but McLaughlin led a lot of laps on the day, just not the last one. 
And, you know, Joseph says, sorry, buddy. <laughs> and he utilized that high line to make it happen in turn three. So it kind of, in some people's eyes, might have saved IndyCar racing at Texas, but we'll see how this year will. That's the biggest question of our human. Scott Dixon said it's in the Tuesday media availability that it's an unknown how yeah. yeah. In, in some parts because of the conditions, but also when IndyCar have their qualifying session, you'll have Goodyear rubber on the, on the track because... Oh, yeah, yeah, because the trucks, yeah. And IndyCar's run with the trucks before. Uh, they used to, during the old IRL years, you know, they, they would consistently run um, share a weekend with the trucks. Uh, they did it quite often. As a matter of fact, there was a time or two where the trucks were the headliners and the IndyCar was the opening act. IndyCar had the Saturday race back in the uh, you know the early IRL days, but um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, but I, I I still think you'll see Pato's grandstand full of people wearing orange, and then you just see a lot of empty seats around the rest of the place um, because the, the Texas race of the attendance has just been dwindling and dwindling, and it's it's surprising me that we still go there, uh, particularly since Eddie Gossage is no longer associated with Speedway, and he was one of the big, big supporters of keeping IndyCar there. So we'll mm-hmm. have to see We'll have to see if we go back there again after this year. But, uh, you know, to the, the point of um, the schedule parity, uh, they need to pick up an oval to replace that. You know, other, otherwise we're going to turn into champ car. We have to have, you know, the, the mix of ovals right now is rather light. The fact that Iowa's a doubleheader helps that somewhat, and Gateway puts on a good event. Um, obviously the 500 is a good event, but, uh, they need something. I don't know. I don't know where to tell them, uh, to go. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's, you have Pocono, but the recent incidents from pushing a half a decade ago has run them yeah. out. And then yeah, and, Michigan, and Pocono, you'll Pocono never know was, because... was improving. The attendance at Pocono had improved year after year after year. But then after the incident with, uh, uh you know, with Wickens and then just the, kind of half-assed way that they repaired the fence and stuff really left a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths, you know? And so, also Rosequence crash a year after. Yeah, yeah. It so. was just a shame because in because well, obviously you don't have a market of, a, in terms of a racer. You don't have anything down there because of Af- Pocono was dropped and Watkins Glen was also dropped. You don't have Nazareth. You can't have Fontana anymore. Phoenix I don't feel like it ever got a, a fair shake out of the attendance. <clears throat> yeah, not the recent time they go back, but yeah, years ago Phoenix was a big, big car event, right? And Richmond yeah. kind of got screwed. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what happened there. They canceled the race, but never went back. I don't know why we didn't try to go back. So, and I really I think, think try. Yeah, I really think that uh, you know, honestly, um, Kentucky would be a good venue um, for IndyCar just because it really it's equidistant between. Cincinnati, Louisville, and it's only 90 minutes from Indianapolis, right? Uh, yeah. So you've got you've got a lot of kind of Indy 500 fans right there. But the problem right now, the Kentucky Speedway earns a million dollars a month as a parking lot for Ford and a storage facility for Amazon. They're making more money just leasing out the um, the grounds than they ever did holding races. So uh, you the, know, the only other the only other two tracks that come to mind would be the Milwaukee Mile or New Hampshire. And the Milwaukee Mile is one that's been discussed for a return to IndyCar. They are 
you know, they've done a lot of work on that track there. They're holding some ARCA races there as well. And as the truck race. A truck race and some yep. historic races as well as they still have the Millers at the Milwaukee Festival. So, but again, you got to look at, you know, Michael Andretti threw everything he had into promoting that race, right? Trying to make it the Milwaukee Indy family fest had a little playground in the middle of the track with a you know with the roller coaster and a ferris wheel and 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 made the tickets dirt cheap i think he made twenty dollars for general admission and still nobody showed up so you know i, I don't know i don't know what you got to do uh because milwaukee used to be a fantastic um indycar market mm-hmm. and loudon also got screwed in large for what happened in 2011 yeah, yeah. Loud, Loudon wouldn't be a bad one to put back on, though. They, they, it, the Indian cars would get around Loudon pretty well. And Loudon is down to one, uh, one NASCAR weekend. So, yeah, yeah, they yeah. have the room. Yeah. Well, all right. So let's let's talk about who we like for Texas. I I am going to go with Pato. So Lee, you like uh, you like anybody for Texas? I like Rossi for Texas. I'm going to go okay. with him this weekend. Very good. So, yep. And Louise. I'm going to go with McLaughlin. McLaughlin, okay, yep. So, Seth, that leaves you? I'll go with Roman. Roman Grosjean? Okay, mm-hmm. there you go. That's, uh, he's been said the Andretti team as a whole has been improving. They, Other than their bad luck at um, St. Pete, they in all the preseason testing, they were top of the charts there. So, anyway, before we talk about Formula One for a second, we do need to go back to NASCAR and talk about the Hendrick penalties, right? So NASCAR yep. released a statement today essentially saying that they have reduced uh, the, the, the national the national motorsport the National Motorsports Appeals Board reduced it, not NASCAR. Okay, so they still owe NASCAR all that money then? Yeah, they still owe NASCAR the four hundred thousand dollars. Still gotta pay the fines. What about the lost points? They got all the points back, okay. and the all crew right. chiefs are still suspended. All right, so, so they've, yeah. they've, they've got a little bit of – they're vilified a little bit, but, yeah, they're still still out a bunch of money. But, uh, yeah, you know, at the end of the day, we talked about this off air. You're receiving parts from the OEM that are inconsistent, and you're trying to make it fit the car, but you're not running by NASCAR what you're doing to make the part. I mean, in my mind, the, the problem starts, Hey, you need a more consistent OEM to make this part. You know what I mean? It's not hard to make every part come out the same. If you, if you have a really good manufacturing facility, right? So why, why such inconsistencies in the, in the parts and Seth, I know you talked about some of the cars have different noses or some of the things that have been altered slightly yep. here and there. So they, they may be getting the wrong parts. Um, but like anything else in this world, though, everything everything you ever want is backward or they're sending the wrong stuff. So I guess, you know, they could have their own supply chain issues. But uh, and, and that's mainly what it is, supply chain issues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, NASCAR did actually put out a statement kind of rebuking uh, the appeal panel. Uh, but we are pleased that the National Motorsports Appeals Panel agreed that Hendrick Motorsports violated the rule book. However, we are disappointed that the entirety of the penalty was not upheld. A points penalty is a strong deterrent that is necessary to govern the garage following rulebook violations, and we believe that it is it was an important 
part of the penalty in this case and moving forward. So okay, so the National Motorsports Council overturned the 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 points, and NASCAR yeah. is not exactly thrilled about it. That's what I'm yeah. hearing. Okay. Yes. All right. So we'll just have to see how that plays out. But in the meantime, uh, you know, nobody's missing points, though. So we can't go to the end of the year and say, "Oh, this guy would have been would have been here if he'd uh, not lost them points." So, so at least it kind of keeps that all level. So anyway, so we got about two minutes left to go ahead and make our picks for Formula One. Now, Seth, what we're doing this year is because we've decided Max Verstappen was going to win all the races. We're picking who finishes second. And then, of course, last Formula One race, Max Verstappen finished second. So I will say that we'll go around today and you can you can say who finishes first and second. Okay, so who's going first? And you can, and when we get and you can pick for stopping multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't finish first and second. No, no, no. I mean, we can. Usually, we try not to take. Oh, okay, okay. Picks. I get it. But get everyone it, get it. can get Max and another guy, right? And then you could you could figure out the first and the second. So, Louise, you want to go first? Yeah, let's give it a go. Let's see. I think Max will bounce back. Unfortunately, in my opinion, because I'm still semi salty about Paris <laughs> losing that extra point. Yeah. But besides the point, it'll be Verstappen and Paris. I think it's going to be a Red Bull 1 2. Yep. Not a bad call, Red Bull 1 2, that we've seen that uh, every race this year. So, Lee, um, Kevin Magnuson? Th- uh, nope. Actually, I'm going to change it up. I think Max is probably going to come in first. And then somewhere in there, I think Leclerc is going to come in second. So. Okay, okay. So Ferrari's going to improve? Yep, I think so. Um, uh, Just going out on a limb. So we'll see All how right. it goes. And, and Seth, who do you like? I'm going to have a little fun with this. I think the Red Bulls will have those drivetrain issues again. Okay. And, be- and because of that, I'm going to say Alonzo and Russell won two. Okay, nice, nice. I was thinking of Russell one and Max two. Uh, but that would involve, you know, Russell beating Max on raw speed. But I think it's going to be strategy that's going to put Russell ahead of Max. And then uh, then I'll eat crow on Monday when I'm wrong. So <laughs> that being said, we're all going to eat crow. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I might be OK. We'll see. Yeah. Louis, uh, Luis is probably the best sitting one out of all of us. So he's got beat up at basketball. Yeah. We'll see Saturday did. night in my in my time how they do. All right. Fantastic. <laughs> yes. We are racing in Australia. So it's uh, it's not your general early morning. Uh, Grand Prix, it's a uh, middle of the night Saturday, uh, for yeah. us, right? Yeah, so Louise is like, it's almost a prime time for you, isn't it? I think it's yep. usually around 10 or 11 or yeah. midnight. Yeah, it's like middle of the night on the east coast, uh, when you get to Australia and it races in Australia or Japan. So, all right, Seth, I want to thank you for joining us this week, and you'll be back on in a couple of weeks. We have a couple of guys from the world of um, e motorsports uh, who are going to be on. And um, Seth, you're gonna come and do that because that's one of the uh, one of the uh, the the aspects of the the sport that you follow with a passion and you're mm-hmm. an expert about it. So Seth will be back yep. on it in a couple of weeks, and and you Lee, can have one of my own cars. There you go. Look at that. Yep. Oh man. Oh, that's what the '57 was. I was curious what that yeah. one was. It, that one is me. 
There you that go. Cool. There you go. All right. Nice. Nice. And uh, Lee, I want to thank you for uh, arranging the interview for um, Camry Caruso next week. I'm really looking forward to talking to her. I don't know that I've ever spoken to an NHR driver, so it'll be a fun experience for me. I have some uh, questions that I'll probably sound like a novice, uh, but I'm really looking forward to that. Louise, I want to thank you, buddy, just for being you and always being there for us week in and week out. Richard, I hope you're doing well. I hope you're not too <laughs> soaking wet out there in Sonoma, but I want to thank uh, my producer, Keith Hayes, uh, for always making us look good. Uh, makes us look better than we are. <laughs> uh, but I want to thank um, YouTube Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, uh, and Hoobazoo.com. But most of all, I want to thank you folks that uh, watch us every week. And we'll see you in a week's time. Until then, good night. Thanks for watching Draft in the Circuits. Make sure to follow Draft in the Circuits on Facebook, Spotify, Twitter, and YouTube. Draft in the Circuits is a Cove Sinister One production.